Tuesday, January 15th, 2019. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City here in Denver, Colorado. You know, we do get together every single weekday. We talk sports with a dose of common sense, and we are happy to have you here with us today. Happy Tuesday to you. You know, today, we actually have a very important day in sports history because it was on January 15th, clear back in 1892, that the very first basketball rules were published in Triangle Magazine. Of course, we know those rules were written by James Naismith. Now, James Naismith had some really, really different ideas about how this game was played. He created it out of necessity as something to do when he was a physical education teacher at Springfield University in Massachusetts. And of course, the weather was cold outside. So Naismith tried to combine some principles from rugby, lacrosse, soccer, football, hockey, baseball. He was very focused on it being an extremely safe game, though. He didn't want it to be a contact sport. He wanted to avoid injuries, so he used a bigger ball. It was actually a soccer ball. And he wanted to have constant passing because he wanted to avoid players running with the ball. He always thought that if you were running with the ball, that was when you had the biggest injuries, at least in football and in rugby. So you had to keep the ball moving by passing it and then by tossing it into the peach baskets, which he hung at either end of his gym. Now, originally, there were actually nine players on each team. Then it dropped down to seven. Of course, now we have five. But the game took off immediately because it was an indoor option for kids to play during the cold months of winter. Now, Naismith would eventually go on to be the very first coach on campus at the University of Kansas, which is actually kind of interesting because he always said he didn't think you could coach the game of basketball. He always said basketball is just a game to play. It doesn't need a coach. You don't coach basketball. You just play it. In fact, Naismith never even patented his game. He never made any profit from it. Lawyers advised him to get a patent for basketball, but he was adamantly opposed to it. And he needed the money. At one point, his personal finances were so bad that his house in Kansas was actually repossessed. Now, needless to say, I don't think Naismith ever envisioned the game of basketball going to where it is today. Hey, basketball is a worldwide phenomenon. It is a multi-billion dollar business. And you know, I also have a feeling that James Naismith would not have cared for all the loose traveling violations that we see in today's game either. I have a feeling he would have been opposed to that a little bit. Hey, if you'd like to contact us, let us know what you love about the game of basketball. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosports at gmail.com, or go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at dailydosports. Doesn't have to be hoops related. Maybe you've got a question. Maybe you've got a comment or a suggestion. Maybe you have a certain subject you would like us to talk. Feel free to reach out. We would love to hear from you. Hey, and if you are looking to spend maybe a little of that holiday money I've left over, make sure you stop by tpublic.com. Search Daily Dose. Scroll down until you see our Daily Dose logo. And there you can find some Daily Dose gear for that Daily Dose listener in your life. We've got hoodies. We've got t-shirts coffee mugs, laptop cases, a number of items over at tpublic.com. So make sure you stop by there and check out some of the Daily Dose gear. Hey, today on the show, of course, we do have a few stories coming out in the world of breaking news. But then, you know, we are down to the conference championships in the NFL. But when we look at the four teams remaining, who can actually win the whole thing? And which teams 
maybe have some flaws in their games and are going to struggle to get there and are going to struggle to win if they do get there. We're going to be looking at all four teams a little bit later on the show. But first off, let's jump into a few stories in breaking news that I saw. And here's one in more reasons not to bet on sports. A national sports betting handicapping contest with a $2.5 million prize pool has ended in controversy in New Jersey after the day three leader was prevented from making his final bet before the NFC divisional round game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the New Orleans Saints. Randy Lee is a New Jersey poker dealer and he ended up winning the first DraftKings sports betting national championship instead. He got the $1 million first prize after his final bet of over $47,000 on the Eagles to cover the spread. Of course, the Saints won 20 to 14, but the Eagles did cover, so he wins. But more than 200 bettors from different parts of the country entered the $10,000 buy-in contest and combined to wager nearly $5 million during this three-day event. Of course, it was headquartered in Jersey City. But here is the problem. There were a few bets that were unable to be placed. The leader before the final game in the contest was unable to place his bet because the New England Patriots Los Angeles Chargers game ended at 4.37 Eastern time, just four minutes before the Saints-Eagles game began. As a result, the original leader of the contest said he kept refreshing his browser during those four minutes, waiting for the winnings from the last game so that he could then put those winnings on the next game. The only problem, he didn't get those winnings credited to his account, so he was locked out of making his final bet. Hey, I'm telling you right now, and we talk a lot here on The Dose about sports betting. You are taking your livelihood in your hands when you bet on sports. Forget the games and how unpredictable they are and how hard it is to truly come up with the right answer of who's going to win this game. Now we have things like this, and I'm telling you, we're going to start seeing more and more of these situations because now we're getting sports betting everywhere. We're getting sports betting in every single state, and I promise you, you're going to have more and more of these stories out because there are more people and more places that are getting involved in sports betting. You don't think we're going to have a few glitches? Oh, I guarantee we're going to have more than just this. But here is a guy who had a chance to win a $1 million first prize. All he had to do was refresh his browser, get his winnings, and push it forward to the next bet. He was unable to do that. And as a result, he doesn't win the big prize. We're going to see more of this. You know, I'm telling you, I see this coming. You're going to have bars. Maybe you're going to go directly to the game. You're going to have certain sports betting bars and you're going to go in on your phone and you're going to be placing bets and you're just going to go, yeah, this is going to happen. Click. This is going to happen. Click. But I'm telling you, you are running the risk of things like this going wrong, of there being a glitch, of there being some sort of hang up. And you say, hey, I, I won this money. What happened? Well, why don't you go ahead and let them figure these things out? I know everybody wants to jump in on sports betting right off the bat. I think I'm going to wait and let them work a few of the bugs out because I don't want to lose money like this guy did just because of the fact of some goofy computer glitch that wouldn't let him bet when he needed to. Yeah, I'll go ahead and wait on sports betting. Telling you, you are taking your livelihood in your hands when you put money on sports. It is not easy to win. One more story coming out that I did want to discuss, and that is in the world of 
football, college football, pro football, well, and I guess a little bit of Major League Baseball, because now Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray says he is going to go ahead and declare for the NFL draft. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play football over baseball. I think the kid is just keeping his options open. But on Monday, Kyler Murray announced on Twitter he was declaring for the NFL draft after he had asked the Oakland A's to guarantee him $15 million to come play for them. You'll remember Oakland had drafted him ninth in last year's Major League Baseball draft. Now, where is Murray going to go? I don't know. I don't think he knows. And I've already heard a number of people speaking out and saying, hey, Kyler Murray can't play at the NFL level. What is he doing? And why would you declare for the NFL draft when you could go play baseball for 20 years and have a long career? There's a few reasons for what Kyler Murray is doing. One, yes, he can make money for a longer amount of time in Major League Baseball, but he can make way bigger money in the NFL if he is somehow taken early in the NFL draft because he can get that second contract in the NFL, which will pay him a ton. But the biggest thing that putting his name into the NFL draft does, it gives Kyler Murray some bargaining power. Hey, if I don't like what Major League Baseball is telling me, I don't know. I may go play football instead. If I don't like where I get drafted in the NFL, hey, I may just go play baseball instead. But it gives this kid a chip in the game. It allows him to have some bargaining power. This is John Elway saying, hey, I'm going to go play for the Yankees. If the Colts draft me, I'm not playing for him. This is Eli Manning saying, hey, I'm not going to play for the San Diego Chargers. They better not draft me. This is Kyler Murray trying to have a little bit of say in what he is going to do with his career. If he doesn't like the direction things are going in Major League Baseball, hey, I don't know. I might just go play football instead. Now, can he play in the NFL? Uh, Guess we'll see. Dude is an amazing talent. I think he might be able to play because he is a very accurate passer. The one hangup that we have is that Kyler Murray, I know he's listed at 5'10". That dude ain't 5'10". That dude's 5'9 at best. So here's the question. Are NFL teams going to take a chance on him early or are we going to see NFL teams wait a little bit on him and see if maybe we could get him at the right value And then we'll kind of see, could he come in and do something with our team? There's no question Kyler Murray can throw it. There is no question he is one of the fastest quarterbacks we will have ever seen in the NFL. His athleticism is scary. But I also know how NFL scouts are. And I know how NFL teams are. Sometimes they look at a guy who's 6'1", 6'2", and they think he's too small. What are they going to look at when they see Kyler Murray at the NFL combine? They're going to go, well, where's the rest of him? I mean, he's a small guy. Doesn't mean he can't play, but he is a very, very small guy. He may not get picked until later in the draft. But again, by declaring for the NFL draft, now at least he has a little bit of say in his future. Going to be interesting to keep an eye on where Kyler Murray would end up in the NFL draft. Hey, coming back, the NFL Conference Championships are now set, and we are going to take a look at each of the remaining teams. How can they play their way into the Super Bowl? And what might keep them from actually making it? We're going to be looking at every team when we get back. So let's talk a little bit today about the NFL Conference Championships because we know the divisional playoffs have now completed, but I wanted to take a look at each one of the teams remaining in the NFL. 
who can actually go on and win the Super Bowl and which teams could have some flaws in their game that could keep them from doing it. I want to start off over in the AFC and let's start with the number one seed, the Kansas City Chiefs, because yes, they are the top team in the AFC this year. They finished the season with a 12 and four record and their offense has been absolutely insane all season. First year starting quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, threw for over 5,000 yards. He had 50 touchdowns. This is his first year starting. Absolutely incredible year. And the Chiefs are scoring 35 points a game. Hey, in these playoffs going forward, and if they were to make it to a Super Bowl, do not come out flat against the Kansas City Chiefs because they will absolutely light you up. They will embarrass you. They will blow you out. We saw this past week. In the divisional playoff game against the Indianapolis Colts, Indy came into Arrowhead, kind of brought their, I don't know, C game, C plus game. Yeah, they got sent home with a beating. So can the Kansas City Chiefs win it all? Let's take a look at a few of their strengths and let's not sugarcoat it. The strength of this team is obviously that offense. But one thing about that offense, it is so much more dangerous when they are able to run the football. Now we all know, They lost starting running back Kareem Hunt, but they have found some success in his replacement. Damian Williams had 129 yards on Saturday against the Colts. If the Kansas City Chiefs can consistently run the football, you might be in for a bad time because Patrick Mahomes, we know he can fling the ball all over the field. He can throw the ball at crazy angles. He's got this crazy sidearm thing he can do, and he has a huge arm. Do not cheat up on his receivers. Do not underestimate his ability to still throw it over your head because he can do it. Patrick Mahomes has one of the craziest arms I have seen in a while. If the Chiefs can run the ball, then all the play action and everything else for Mahomes is clicking. In addition to Mahomes, in addition to that solid running game, hey, wide receiver Tyreek Hill is absolutely electric. He can blow the game wide open on any given play. And we know that head coach Andy Reid will try to get him the ball in a number of different ways. They'll throw screens to him. They'll hand it off to him. They'll run little end arounds to him. They'll just throw little quick bubble screens or little short passes and just let him try to run with it. And then of course, we know they love those little skinny post plays where Patrick Mahomes just throws it out in front of him. Tyreek, go get it and run with it. Tyreek Hill just seems like he is moving faster than everyone else on the field. You had better know where he is on every single play because if you lose track of him, I promise you he'll make you pay for it. But now let's look over at the other side of the Kansas City Chiefs because if we're going to start with a weakness, it is obviously going to be on the other side of the ball. The Chiefs defense is allowing over 26 points per game this year. Okay, that doesn't sound that bad. But in the Chiefs' four losses, they allowed an average of 41 points per game. So we can clearly see if there is an Achilles heel for this Kansas City team, it is obviously their defense. But here is another scary part for this Chiefs defense. They also allow 28 first downs to their opponent per game. Now, obviously, you don't get points for first downs, right? So, hey, if we bend and we don't break, then who cares? But here is the problem for the Chiefs. When opponents are grinding out first downs, that high-powered Chiefs offense, 
with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and all that talent, they're sitting on the sideline watching the game. One thing you have to be careful of with the Chiefs defense is as bad as their defense has been, if you get into third and long situations where they know a pass is coming, the Chiefs do have a pretty good pass rush. Chris Jones, D. Ford, Justin Houston, they can be extremely dangerous. There is one other thing that I want to watch, though, this year with the Chiefs. As good as Patrick Mahomes has been, and he's been amazing, far better, honestly, than I even thought he would be, he is still a first-year starter. Now, that doesn't mean doom by any means, but we don't know what he's going to do in a playoff game. We don't know how he will perform in a tight playoff game with the outcome hanging in the balance. He's never been there before. The Chiefs have a chance to get back to the Super Bowl for the first time since the Nixon administration. Can they overcome that defense that doesn't always show up and they especially haven't shown up in games that the Chiefs have lost? Let's move over to the NFC and take a look at the top seed in the NFC because the New Orleans Saints are riding the arm of a 39-year-old quarterback and a Drew Brees is playing as good as he ever has in his career. He is playing at an MVP level and no longer are the Saints just Drew Brees and a high-scoring passing offense. Now, are the New Orleans Saints capable of winning it all? Of course, if we're looking at strengths of the New Orleans Saints, hey, you got Drew Brees. He is freakishly accurate. He is a strong leader. He has been here before. He has won a Super Bowl. And if a game is tight late, he's very good at leading a game-winning drive. The one thing I really wanted to see on Sunday when the Saints faced the Eagles, I wanted the Eagles to go get a score because then I wanted to see what Drew Brees would do. Could he go back and still win the game? I think that would have been insanely fun to watch. Unfortunately, they had the interception. We didn't get to see that. But Drew Brees is excellent in late game situations. Now, while the Saints don't have a ton of quality wide receivers, it still seems like there is no one capable of consistently stopping wide receiver Michael Thomas. I don't know how, but he's constantly open. Brees throws the ball to Thomas nine times a game, and he averages 11 yards every time he touches it. So he's getting 100 yards every single time he walks out onto the field, and everyone knows it's coming to him. They don't even really have anyone else to throw to, but no one can stop him. The other aspect about the Saints offense is that they run the ball very effectively. We know it used to be you could just say, hey, we're going to come after Drew Brees. You can't really do that now. They can run the ball right down your throat as well. This offense has a lot of balance to it. One of the things that the Saints are so good at, we know that in big games, turnovers are always going to play this huge role. If you turn the ball over in the playoffs, yet you might be getting sent home. On the season, the New Orleans Saints have just 16 turnovers all year. So they take care of the ball. They have very good special teams play. Will Lutz is a very good kicker. Thomas Morstead is an excellent punter. And they also get good returns from their return men. Oh, and one other strength that the Saints have in this next game, you're going to have to go to the Superdome to play them. They've got home field advantage. It is loud down there. Hey, the New Orleans Saints have a ton of strengths. No question, they can win it all. Now, they don't have a ton of weaknesses. And we did talk about one of them. They don't have that many bona fide receiving threats aside from Michael Thomas. But one weakness they do have, the New Orleans Saints actually commit some very costly penalties. Not in number, but in yardage. They average 
just seven penalties a game. Okay, that's not that bad. But they also average 64 yards of penalties per game. So that's like a nine-yard penalty every time they get a flag. So they are big yardage. And one other weakness the Saints could have, that pass defense is not always the best. The New Orleans Saints defense allows over 270 yards per game through the air. Now, think of the remaining teams in this postseason. Every single one of them can throw the ball. That could be a flaw for the New Orleans Saints. They're going to have to shore up that defense if they are going to go on to win at all. Hey, they at least have to hide it. It doesn't have to all of a sudden be great, but they're going to have to hide some of those flaws because their pass defense can be taken advantage of at times. Hey, coming back, we still have two more NFL teams to get to today as we look forward to those NFL Conference Championships. We looked at the top two teams on each side. When we come back, we're going to look at those number two seeds on each side. Just a quick reminder that maybe you have some shopping left to do. Maybe you forgot someone on that holiday list. You might want to head over to lootcrate.com forward slash daily dose where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles that feature your favorite TV shows, movies, and video games. January's Loot Crate theme is now out. It is called Binge. Grab a spot on the couch. Get comfortable. We're about to binge some of pop culture's finest offerings to ring in the new year. Unbox and chill with this collection of binge-worthy gear celebrating some of your favorite TV shows. January's Loot Crate theme features items from Friends, SpongeBob SquarePants, and Black Mirror. But hey, if none of those franchises interest you, remember, you can go over to Loot Crate. You can choose from a huge selection of crates, a monthly subscription of crates, or just go pick individual items. The best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, just be sure to type Daily Dose, D-A-L-Y-D-O-S-E in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order just as a little thank you for tuning into the Daily Dose every single day. So let's continue to take a look at the top four teams in the NFL this season. Hey, we saw the top two seeds in both the AFC and the NFC advance to the conference championships. It's kind of what we all want, isn't it? We want the best teams to advance. That is what we have gotten in the NFL this year. The number two seed over in the AFC, like clockwork, is the New England Patriots because they are right in the thick of another playoff run. Hey, it is just what the Patriots do these days. This was their 10th straight AFC East title. They have been to the AFC Championship game now for eight straight years. They have won four of those and advanced to the Super Bowl. But we have seen this team struggle at times this year. Can this Patriots team go to the Super Bowl yet again this season? Let's take a look at some of their strengths and weaknesses. Of course, the biggest strength that the New England Patriots have are quarterback Tom Brady and head coach Bill Belichick. Now, these two might not always like each other, but they're really, really good together. All they do is win and then win and then win some more and win so much that we're completely sick of them and we wish they'd just go away, but they do win. And you know, it might not be a perfect marriage. We've heard some of the rumors. We've heard some of the grumbling that goes on up in New England. Maybe Brady doesn't always like Belichick. Maybe Belichick doesn't always like Brady, but they are winning football games at a historic rate. And, you know, you do have to include their success in the postseason here. Because while most teams get all excited, they get all nervous to be in a championship game like this, it's old news for the Patriots. This is just what they expect to do. They do this every year. Do you think that the New England Patriots are one bit nervous about going into Arrowhead on Sunday? No, they don't care. They do this every year. This is just their yearly trip 
to go play a team in the playoffs. That's what they do. So they are absolutely used to it. They have done it way too many times. But you know, it's not just experience that the Patriots bring to the table. You know with Bill Belichick, they are also going to be the most prepared team. Brady can be insanely accurate. And for some reason, and I don't know why, and I don't know how to explain it, the offensive and defensive lines suddenly seem to start playing better when you hit the postseason for the New England Patriots. Now, we saw their run blocking on Sunday against Los Angeles was very, very good. The Patriots beat the Chargers, and they were able to run the ball consistently against them. I wasn't sure if they could do that. They did it all day. And we also saw that that pass rush of the Chargers wasn't getting anywhere near Brady. I don't know how they're doing it, but their offensive and defensive lines always seem to step up in the postseason, and that could be bad news for the rest of the league. But let's look at the other side. It's not all good news for the Patriots. This team definitely does have flaws, and they could end up being fatal flaws. We're going to see. For one, the Patriots' defense gives up some serious rushing yards. Do you realize New England allows nearly five yards rushing per carry and over 113 yards per game? They also allow a number of those yards on first down, and that could end up coming back to haunt this team. Now, the Patriots' pass rush has also been really inconsistent this year. The Patriots ranked 30th out of 32 teams this season. They registered just 30 sacks all year. Now, again, that could end up haunting them against all four of these remaining teams because we know, hey, all these teams can throw the ball around a lot. If the Patriots can't get any pressure on a quarterback, They could be in for a long day. And you know, the problems aren't just on the defensive side. Tom Brady is really good at making his receivers look better than they are. But take a look at these receivers. We know Josh Gordon is now gone. You've got Julian Edelman. You've got Chris Hogan. You've got a broken down Rob Gronkowski. And then what I think we can expect to see from the Patriots is what we saw on Sunday. They're going to throw the ball to their running backs a lot. James White is going to be involved a lot because they don't have anyone else to throw to. There are not a ton of receiving choices for Tom Brady. Could that eventually bite the Patriots? Maybe, maybe. They do have some flaws of this team. I know we see them play the Chargers on Sunday, and we say, wow, that looks like vintage Patriots. They do still have some flaws. Some of that could have been bad Chargers. Not all of it was just great Patriots. Our final team remaining in the playoffs in these conference championship games is, of course, the Los Angeles Rams. And if it were me, this is just me personally, if I were setting the odds, I might actually make the Rams the favorite. I know that might sound crazy, but they have so much talent on both sides of the ball, and it looks like they're starting to get more and more healthy every week. Now, we look at their strengths, of course. Their offense has speed all over the field. Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, you've got Todd Gurley in the backfield. He's insanely dangerous. But it's not just Sean McVay's wide-open, aggressive passing game. Because the Rams can also go ground and pound and just run the ball down your throat. And we saw that on Sunday against Dallas. The Dallas Cowboys go into LA saying, hey, we're just going to run the ball and you can't stop us. They couldn't get anything going. Instead, it was the Los Angeles offense who was running the ball and running the ball and running the ball and Dallas couldn't do anything about it. So I know we kind of get stuck on this wide-open passing attack that the Rams have. And they do, but they can also just play smash mouth football with you and be very good at it. On the other side of the ball, 
hey, the Los Angeles Rams look like an all-star team. Aaron Donald, Ndamukong Sue, Marcus Peters, Akib Talib, Michael Brocker, Sam Shields, Dante Fowler. This defense is insanely talented. And yet, for all the talent and for as high-powered as this team is, on the offensive side, they do struggle to protect quarterback Jared Goff. Goff was sacked 33 times this year. That puts the Rams very middle of the pack in protecting their quarterback. That's not a good sign. And for a team that prides themselves on getting the ball out, throwing it quickly, throwing it all over the place, that is a lot of sacks to give up. And on the other side of the ball, for as talented as the defense is, they're not always as good as maybe they should be. And what we've seen all year, we haven't seen it so far in the playoffs, but we have seen they haven't been good against the run. Now, I wonder how much of that is just continuity. They just haven't played together enough. But why does a team with this much talent, we just read that, it sounds like an all-star team, allow over 122 yards per game on the ground. They allow over five yards per carry on the ground. Now, maybe that was just a regular season stat, and now they're cranking it up like we saw them do against Dallas on Saturday. Or maybe they're going to have their hands full this weekend with a very good New Orleans Saints rushing attack. Hey, we will, of course, be previewing all the championship games on Friday, and we will be making our picks. But as you can see, we have a very, very interesting conference championship weekend coming up in the NFL. It is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Hey, tomorrow on The Dose, we will of course be looking at the latest sports news. Plus, we just might have the return of the Daily Dose Hump Day Power Rankings. What could we be ranking this week? I have to say thank you all so much for listening to The Daily Dose. For all of you that share the show, that tell your friends, that emails, that texts us, that messages, thank you. It is very, very appreciated. Hey, make sure you stop by tpublic.com where you can pick up some of the latest Daily Dose gear. Have to say thank you to GSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Tuesday.